When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.
we, everybody in this room, we've all fielded a lot of frustration from the fans via the social media accounts. But at the end of the day, until somebody comes up and says, right, we're happy with the finances, there's the bid, that's how it's going to pan out. There's nothing else that can be done. So really, it's almost at a situation now where, where it's crunch time and, you know, what are we on now, the 12th, 12th of December? If they don't get it done pretty quickly, um, it's going to miss that January sort of deadline. And Mark, obviously, I think you did a piece as well where you kind of, you know, you addressed the cynicism of the fans, where there's always going to be when it's a Mike Ashley statement coming out. We've been here before, as we've, as we've all said. But, you know, this, this time it does feel slightly different. You know, they are live people, as Lee's mentioned there, there are parties that are interested in the club. Is it, could it be a situation where, yes, Mike Ashley's given one of this deadline where it's got to be done before the January transfer window, but if it's not done by the January transfer window, can, can, it, can it rumble on, or has there got to be some sort of clarity from either side to say, this is where we are. It's January first. It's not happening. It is happening. I think what's what I found, and I think Lee Lee makes the point there as well, is that really, until Mike Ashley actually came out and said something, I think we as journalists were quite happy to just sort of let it play out because we've been in this situation so many times, where you know I think anybody who covers the football club, and I think Lee's done a fair few stories on it down the down the recent few weeks. I think everybody knew there was there's interest there. I mean we've had it pretty much confirmed by every source going that Kenyon's a serious player in terms of you know that they're doing due diligence. We know there are accountants going through the books and you know they wouldn't be doing that if they weren't very, very serious. I think what happened with what Mike Ashley did was he he's kind of got everybody talking about it again. He's got that sort of frenzy around it again. And I think I think the January Transfer window is is the is what Mike Ashley's talking about because I don't think he he wants to make a decision really on whether he backs Rafa Benitez or not. He'd rather somebody else come comes in and does it. If it rolls on past January, I'm not sure that Peter Kenny's necessarily going to go anywhere. But by the same token, there could be a Championship club come May, and I think the people around the Peter Kenyon thing obviously kind of know that. And I and I would be surprised if the deal's as easy to do if they're a Championship club. Rafa could be gone by then as well so this is the period really it's the only period where somebody who buys the club can come in and actually impact things so it was always going to be the case I think that there was going to be a, maybe a few more stories around now I wasn't expecting Mike Ashley to come out and say what he did as well um, but it, it just feels at the moment like this is a key period you know people at the club are talking about it they, there's, there's no doubt that it feels slightly different to the stadium one because people at the club aren't they're not like rubbishing it quite as much as they did with the Stavely thing. I don't think they rubbish Stavely, but they kind of were, look, be careful what you write about it because, you know, even when she was meeting him for curries and things, people were sort of saying, mm, doesn't mean anything. Whereas this time, you're not getting the same denials. You're actually getting people at the club and the inside sort of either saying, we think something is happening or we don't know and we're waiting like everybody else. Whereas last time, I think they all sort of felt mm, she's a little bit... You know, whatever's been said by her camp is is in advance. You know, is, is kind of being pushed, pushed a little bit further than it was. So, I think I can understand why fans. I mean, I think the, the greatest thing that fans want is clarity. It's what we want as well. Um, but because of the non-disclosure agreements, it's very difficult to get that information. Because if somebody comes out and breaks a non-disclosure agreement, as I think happened with Stavely, how serious are they? Probably not. I mean, I had somebody send me a message on Twitter yesterday saying, you know, come on, get on the phone with Peter Kenyon. But, you know, if, P if Peter Kenyon 
was gonna speak by now. He, he'd have done it yeah. on the record, and it would be everywhere what mm. he was saying. He can't speak because he signed an NDA. The reason Kenyon's name's out there is because it's been leaked by somebody else. Certainly not someone in his camp. Someone perhaps who he's approached to ask if they've got the money mm. to, to put in the consortium. That's how his name is out there. It's not him going around drumming for um, PR himself. He doesn't. He doesn't need that. He probably didn't want his name out there until it was all ready to go. But but because somebody's leaked the information, that's why. So he's certainly not going to pick up his phone, and nobody close to it will pick up the phone. Um, no one will make the mistake Amanda Stavely made last year when she sat down and done a big piece with the Times because that was the worst thing that mm. could have happened because Mike Ashley then pulled the plug out on the whole deal and the small chance of that going through suddenly was gone. So it's an awkward situation. It'll happen. If it does happen, it'll happen really quickly. It'll go bang, there'll be a statement out and then the next thing, it'll not be who got the story first. There'll be mm. no one popping champagne if they break the exclusive on it it'll be right who's got the who's got the club now where do we go from here how much have they got to spend mm. are they going to give Rafa a new contract are they going to do enough to keep Newcastle United up that, that's what will happen and it'll happen so quickly there's a lot of unnecessary tension on social media um, where I just think people need to you know I think a lot of people have sat back mm. and said I won't believe it until it happens well we'll all believe it when it happens but We'll see what we'll have. We'll have to see what happens first. I think I understand that, and I think all you can say, uh, you know, from an honest, genuine point, is that this does feel. It doesn't feel like Mike actually gave the interview, and he was, and he was making it up. It doesn't feel like that. It feels more like there is interest there, and he was trying to trying to force the issue a little bit, and that's all you can say. You can't. We can't say sit here and say it's definitely going to happen, because. I think he, said, he said that. He, yeah. said, he said it's possible, not not realistic. So it's yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? And it it feels just a little bit at the moment like you know it's going to dominate the agenda, and it's kind of like I said on Sunday. I think what's what what people are responding to is not necessarily even this story. It's the fact that there's been so much uncertainty and so much lack of clarity, really, in what Newcastle are doing for two years, really, because. We, we said it at the summer, we predicted it at the start of the summer that the, the Rafa contract situation, which needed an answer and should have had an answer in April, May. I think mean, you said, Lee, I and mean, you were spot on after they beat Leicester. That's when they should have been sitting down and hammering out a new contract with Rafa on the terms that he wanted. But it, it rolled on the whole summer. We're in December now, just before Christmas. Still no answers. Well, they've gone backwards in, it's, since, since April when they rubber stamped the place for Premier League. Mm. They've actually gone backwards because they didn't give Rafa the deal. They, he's now operating with a very limited spending pot. He might have had a lot more to spend had he signed the deal because he would have had written assurances. And now, you know, they are kind of like scrambling around the uh, Japanese international who they've been linked with today. 1.7 million, I think, is, is his price tag. So that's the sort of deals they are they are looking at now. So it's. It's messy as yeah. always. I think the, I think the worry I think the worry for you is as well like what you know pe- people are worried about the te- whether the takeover happens or not. I, I totally understand that. I think what we can say with some certainty is that if it doesn't happen and Mike Ashley's still here in January, it's going to be a difficult window from for, for Rafa Benitez because that what he said the other week has changed the game. I think I think we were all hearing that Mike Ashley was gonna if it hadn't been maybe so much progress in the takeover, I think Mike actually probably would have backed Rafa a little bit more. 
But because of the takeover situation now, I think it will be loans, it'll be sort of bargain deals and things like that. And so <coughs> that's why that's why it's such it is a bit of a mess. And I just I do hope, you know, I really hope that it that it happens. But all we can say at the moment is that it's a bit of a waiting game for everybody. If it's Kenyan, and the reason I, I suspect it might be taking a while is because it's it's if it's a hedge fund that's dealing with that's dealing with my, with Peter Kenyon, they'll want to know every single aspect of the financials of the football club because if it's a hedge fund, they have to make money off a Newcastle United investment, and they'll need to know the prospects for uh, the next two years, the next five years, the next ten years. How quickly, how much investment you need to put in? How quickly can you turn a big profit? And and they'll need to be, you know, because they've got to justify an investment to their to, to the people who are putting into that hedge fund. So it's not a quick deal. If it was a kind of shape Monsoor, if it was a single individual, it could be done tomorrow. But the reason the Stavey thing rolled on for a long time is because for her as well, it was a consortium. It was bringing people in who would invest in the club. I don't. It doesn't feel to me like there's somebody out there, like one wealthy individual out there, who's ready to just blow the market and go and get Newcastle. Because if there was, I think it had been done by now. Um, but you never know. You never. You never know. The problem is at this time, Newcastle's a gossipy city, isn't it? Uh, you know, and and you keep getting. I keep getting messages from people telling me, oh, it's ready to be done. It's going to be done tomorrow. It's going to be done the next day." And the problem is, there's gossipy. You know, the football club's gossipy. The people leak. People tell you. You know, everybody seems to have a theory and, a, and, a, and, and everybody knows somebody who knows something. And our job here is just to kind of source what we can and what we, what we know. And it, it's quite a difficult one when people don't want to talk because of non-disclosure agreements. Or they can't talk. And the, the problem is when you're getting their messages sent from people, uh, a lot of the frustration is because those messages what they're sending is what they want to happen yeah. rather than what is happening mm -hmm. and that's basically when we write what is happening and it's not what they want mm -hmm. then that's why we get the, the animosity from some people and some mm -hmm. people you know there is a line and some people go over that line sometimes yeah. and um, you know we all want to deliver the great bit of news at the mm -hmm. club so we all want a new order we all want Newcastle United to be healthy again and you know live up to its potential which we all know it can you know on its day it's a it's a sellout crowd every time um in terms of the club is pushing again they are capable of getting in the champions league uh, with the right investment they are capable of pushing for trophies all that sort of stuff but it's got to have an owner who really mm. really cares at the moment they've got an owner who's just steadily make sure the club doesn't go under um, and there's a big difference in that how important is it, do you think, for the next guy to come in? As Lee says there, there's everything in place in terms of potential. Newcastle are a massive club. If this one gets it right, they could start to not, not necessarily win trophies, but challenge for trophies like the FA Cup, the League Cup. In terms of their priorities, what does a new owner have to do? I mean, obviously, Mike Ashley's kind of set the, the benchmark pretty low in terms of fan expectations. You, you know, we can't get much worse. But what would be a fair kind of barometer to judge a new owner on whoever comes in? I think just I'd like to see some investment in the football club. So, uh, kind of injecting money that isn't that isn't just. I know obviously there's financial fair play, so you can't inject millions and millions and millions. But releasing funds to um, actually take the club forward. So that would be for me a couple of successful transfers. The first thing they should do is give Rafa Beers a new contract, and that would be the first thing I would say that 
that then would prove that they're serious because they've got a very serious and a very good manager there. Um, then I'd like to see some successful transfer windows in terms of delivering what, what Rafa wants. Um, and then it would it would really be from that, I think the long, medium to long term, I'd like to see um, some investment in the kind of the club's infrastructure because there hasn't been any of that. And I think, like you said, I, I think it's a very good point. Whoever comes in is going to get the longest honeymoon period of any owner in Newcastle United's history because the fact that they're not Mike Ashley will be automatically seized on as the, the, the best thing that, that, that could possibly happen to Newcastle United. So it is a great opportunity for somebody, but I think the first thing they've got to do is get around the, the, the table with Rafa Benitez, secure his future and basically say to him, whatever you want, Rafa, um, not necessarily whatever you want, but what do you think Newcastle United needs to take it forward? Because he's been at the football club for nearly two years now. And I think he knows what needs to be done. You've seen from the results and what he's brought to Newcastle in the last two seasons that he's more than equipped to move Newcastle United into a, a kind of next phase. But at the moment, he's just not got the backing. So the first thing an owner could should do is that. But what's interesting is because we don't we haven't we haven't got this kind of manifesto from Kenyon as we did with Staveley, because yeah. um, she was quite happy to, to tell people what she wanted. We don't actually know whether he might have other ideas. He might look to bring in. That's it. I mean, he's got this is a guy with Man United links, yes. Chelsea links, Jorge Mendes. You know, who's to who's to say whether he thinks Rafa Benitez is the right man for the mm. job? We all think that. Yeah. We know what he's. I mean, I was at the reserve game the other night, and he's in the stands watching Lejeune's comeback. Um, Sinographs getting his pictures with, with young, young yeah. kids and going over to the injured youth team players and the academy players. You know, the kid on crutches there must be absolutely devastated. He goes over and has a five minute chat with them. So that's the type of guy you've got here. Mm -hmm. You've got a Kevin Keegan style, Bobby Robson style guy in charge. Um, but can you might come in and he might, you know, bring in someone else? Well, Ita Karanka was the was basically came in through that link at Middlesbrough, when, when Kenyon was at Middlesbrough, Karanka came into me there and he was an unknown manager at the time. He's actually ended up being quite a successful manager at Middlesbrough and he's doing okay at Forest as well and he's had a decent career. Um, but that that's the kind of the, the, where you don't know what's, what's going to happen and what anybody would want. I think that Rafa adds such a lot of value to Newcastle. I think that's one of the reasons why Ashley wants to get shift the club quickly because I think he knows that at the end there's a lot of difficult decisions coming for Newcastle United yeah. they can't they've delayed it for a long time we've talked there about delaying and delaying and delaying this summer is basically the point at which Newcastle would I'm sure just like to delay it indefinitely and just keep Rafa keep him as he is at the moment you know we'll give you a little bit and just keep things going and we'll keep finishing 12th 13th and we know you'll pick up a few results that would be Newcastle's ideal situation because that's how they like things they kind of keep things low key and not you know don't but they can't do that this summer because they have a massive decision to make because Rafa can walk out at the end of the summer or he can commit his future and they know that there's big decisions coming down the road and it could get very ugly for Mike Ashley if, if Rafa walks out it could get ugly for him in terms of I think you would see people would, would give up on the football club for as long as that period it would be in the fan protests which haven't worked so far there would be a renewed kind of zeal there as well and I'm not suggesting that suddenly they'd be playing from a half empty stadiums but it would be hard a lot of the players would you know who maybe haven't listened to the offers or would are quite happy to work for Rafa maybe they wouldn't want to know you know you don't know who they're going to bring in but 
there's a lot of decisions to be made in the summer. And so for Newcastle United, at the moment, they're getting away with it a little bit. They don't have to make these big decisions because Rafa's got nowhere to go. He doesn't want to go anywhere while his contract's still in play. But they've got another, let's say, six months. These are big. These are big six months for Newcastle. So they need. So that's why I think like Mike Ashley is trying to now flog the club as soon as, as quickly as possible. So for me, like it, although it's been a horrible two years because we just don't know where they're going, it can't last forever. It's either going to be off a cliff edge in May, June, because who's going to take the job after Rafa? <coughs> or it's a bit of a brighter time and it feels a bit like the whole Brexit thing. Doesn't it? Nobody really knows what's, what's, what's happening. Nobody really knows what's going on. And um, well, so, something's going to happen. It doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's going to be good. So yeah. that's, that's and that, I think in some ways that's what Newcastle United needs. It needs, you know, they're they're kind of buying time at the moment because people won't protest while Rafa's here. They won't protest while this team is putting the, the effort in. I think that was the big mistake the Magpie Group made was announcing protests while the team and Rafa are still in place and working really, really hard. That was the big mistake. It could be that next year, next season, you've got a manager in place who's not popular um, and a team that's been broken up. And then I think you know Newcastle could be in trouble. It's like Carragher said at the start of the season, you know, what Mike Ashley has been doing with the football club so far is a recipe for relegation. Rafa's the only one preventing that, I think. In terms of the uncertainty there, you both mentioned it there, you both mentioned it on Sunday when we did the post-game podcast after Wolves. How big a danger is it now that that could kind of affect the team as well? Because they've just had a brilliant November, they've won three games out of three, pulled themselves out of relegation trouble. You know, they lose to West Ham, Mike actually comes out on the Monday, says this, all of a sudden, you know, this uncertainty swirling around the club again. Rafa Benitez is always going to be asked about takeovers at every press conference he does. Every interview he does, I mean, we both listened to Lamar to the Sports Week interview, which was brilliant, but even then, that was dominated by the takeover. Rafael even said himself, there could be new, new news by Sunday. He doesn't really know what's going on. It can't be having a good effect on him in terms of his future. It can't be having a good effect on the players. And, you know, Huddersfield and Fulham coming up two massively important games. I mean, how much, how much could that creep in and start re-damaging the team in terms of the Premier League status? Well, you know, I'm looking at the Premier League table now, seven home defeats already we're not even in the Christmas the festive period now um, that's that's a heavy that's heavy damage to, to your season already it puts the pressure on the away games but they have been slightly better away from home but to, to lose seven you can't really afford to lose many more um, to, if you're going to get near that that so-called magic 40 points I know you can stay up with less than 40 points but let's be get on the safe side and go for 40 and make absolutely sure but Newcastle I was hoping by this stage they would be closer to 20 points because uh, then you, it's a psychological hurdle and then you hopefully go there into the new year and it's, it's downhill but I just think now they put the pressure on themselves I mean Huddersfield very tough game of the weekend um, I think we'll probably all take a point here now yeah. but, but, what a point, but what a point be Enough if you're not going to back it up in the next game against Fulham, the return of Mitrovic to St James yeah, Park. They've got great record in Newcastle as well. And then after that, Liverpool away, never get anything down there. Not saying that, that you know, not saying that'll be the case this year, but you know, going off past experiences, uh, they never get anything down there. And then Watford away, hard, 
man united at home hard some very tough fixes coming up so uh, is it affecting the players it depends on the player i would say some of them just don't care all the bother about his own personal performance others you know the more local ones where it's going to have an impact on the club if they get relegated and yet yeah, they will be in the head because everywhere they go people will be asking them about it you know we get asked about wherever we go what's happening with the takeover players people expect them to know more as well and it's just pressure off the pitch all the time in, in Newcastle um, it's a football football city so that that's what it's always going to be like so that's that's not a criticism at all but the reality is um, Newcastle either need to invest in the January window or they need to get the act together and get the club sold so that there's a new plan in place because um, at the minute it's just, it's just a little bit depressing again yeah and, and I think that the the question about the players and whether they're affected by it, it's, it's actually, I'd reverse it and say, is the atmosphere of the football, is the atmosphere of the ground being affected by this uncertainty? Yeah, it was really flat on, sun, on Sunday. Um, it was pretty flat the week before against West Ham. And I know fans react to the, um, to the performances, so the atmosphere was brilliant when, you know, for the Watford and Bournemouth games. Fair enough, but if, you, if the club was sold and there was a feeling of positivity around it, the atmosphere at Newcastle United would be totally different. You can't tell me that it's not having an impact on the home form, the fact that the atmosphere... I can't believe the amount of people that go to Newcastle United home games. I mean, they've got the third biggest aggregate attendance in the Premier League era of any club. I mean, that's incredible. And that's including the two seasons that they spent in the Championship. I mean, that is absolutely sensational. The fans are doing their bit. But I don't blame them for turning up at some games feeling like we're playing... Wolves this week, who were newly promoted, have spent way more than us. You know, Rafa sets up a team at the start, really to kind of contain and defend a little bit. He was a very tentative start because he thinks Wolves are a good team. And I felt like the atmosphere at the football club is a little bit like, what have we become? And I don't blame fans for feeling like that. And, you know, the, the, the people who run the club need to address that. They need to, they, you know, they don't talk to the fans. They don't communicate with the fans as much as they should. And look, there are people at the club who are trying to get them to do that, but it, it's just a very, very flat atmosphere, and I think that has had an impact on the home form um, because the players feed off the fans. You can see that the Bournemouth game was their best home performance of the season because they started well, and the fans responded to it, and it felt like this is a vision of what the club could be. The Arsenal game last season was the same thing, but if you you know they started this season on the back foot because they hadn't invested, so the fans turn up for the first game. What are they cheering? Salomon Rondon, they really like, people really like Rondon. He's on loan. He's not a, he's not a Newcastle player. They've got a number nine who's on loan from a team that were relegated last season. There's nothing in there. You know, they like everybody likes Fernandez. Great, you know, he's done really really well. He's a centre back. This isn't this isn't you know. I think every other Premier League club they could say we've got a team that with players that excite us that they're trying to do things. You know, Brighton are a great example. They've just brought in Dan Ashworth from the from the they're trying to push things forward. Why should Newcastle United fans turn up every week, having you know their season tickets having gone up, and feel positive about things? I, I'm not surprised the home form is suffering. You go away, and that's the hardcore of fans who've been brilliant away from home. And to be honest, it's a little bit like a them and us thing away from home, isn't it? So that's how it is away from home. The Burnley atmosphere was terrific. I wasn't there, but you could hear it on TV. The lads who were there said it was absolutely sensational. That atmosphere. That's the atmosphere that you could get at home if you started 
really pushing, but you know, they're not interested in tapping into that, they're just interested at the moment, I think, at the hierarchy, are just interested in getting through to where we can be, trying to just keep things afloat, but it's not going to give you an atmosphere that they need, which is... I mean, the atmosphere can still get incredibly better, and I guess you will not know because you're, you're too young, and you will not know because you weren't here, but like, during the Keegan, the, the full-on Keegan oh, era, then it turns you, and that place was absolutely jumping, and I'm not exaggerating it, and if you ever want a good example of that, how good the atmosphere can be, what, go on YouTube, watch Sheffield Wednesday coming to Newcastle in 1993 when they were newly promoted, Keegan had the, the players coming in, the whole place wasn't, you, you'll hear the atmosphere that night and compare it to what it is now, and it's still decent now, don't get us wrong, the, the, the fans do get behind the team, but you, you have to have that excitement, mm, you, totally. everyone's got to buy into it, and when they do, it's just, it's unbelievable, and again, you know, it's, it's like, they're a long way from recapturing that, and even, maybe even some people that work at the club now, maybe even Lee Charlie doesn't know, because Lee Charlie wasn't around when, when all that was happening, so, they need to give everyone something to believe in again. Um, you've got the manager, you've got the stadium, you've got the fans. You know, just get let get things going again. But you just feel like you're banging your head against a brick wall when you when you try and um, so, get that. So across. in terms of you know, trying to inject some sort of excitement there, because obviously that is going to help the players, regardless of a takeover. You know, it's been a double-ended question for both of you here, but. Could that come in the form of a cup run? So, you know, FA Cup, they've got Blackburn going in the third round. It's a decent draw, could have been a lot worse. Because when you think back at the start of the season, they lost to Nottingham Forest. After that was a real low point of the season. It was only two or three games old. But they were well beaten by Nottingham Forest that night, weren't they? And that, you know, straight away, you, you've lost something there until January. You've lost any any sort of belief that you're going to have a, a run in the cup. We knew that they were going to struggle in the league because they had a good transfer window. They had a poor start. So could that inject some sort of confidence into the fans and secondly in terms of, of transfers and we've reported on the Miguel Almiron story for quite a bit now I mean a player of that ilk is going to you know give the fans something to shout about isn't it? Well it will um, I think a player coming in from the MLS for that, that type of money it's a big it would be a big statement because it would show a lot of faith in that player coming from from that league which is a league traditionally where players go to end the career not not to start it but Look, at the end of the day, if that's what the signing's going to be, if that's the marquee signing, I think it would get people, you know, relatively excited. Cup run, um, sometimes cup runs can paper over the cracks. Um, if you're not on target for survival, then that, that would be an issue. But hey, would take cup run, well, I've not won for, for a long time. But then you look at it realistically, are Newcastle good enough to win the, win the FA Cup? Look at the teams that. Let's look. At, let's start the the business end of it. Look at the teams who will be trying to win it: Manchester City, uh, Man United, Tottenham, Liverpool. Would Newcastle beat any of them in the latter last stage with the team they've got now? Have we been realistic? No. So yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough in the FA Cup, but that's just because of the way that Newcastle are set up at the minute. You know? I mean, it'll, be, it'll be tough, but just for a safer argument's sake, they get they they beat Blackburn. They get another lower league team at home in the fourth round, get a decent draw in the fifth round, all of a sudden you're in the quarterfinals, you know. 
Well, it may not be the strongest team in, yeah. but it will give the fans something to, to believe in, something to keep going to the games for and striving for, and the players will have something to target as well, won't yeah, they? Yeah, you, you can get really, you can get fortunate runs in the yeah. epic. I mean, I remember Kenny Daglish, um, mm. I think he got Stevenage, uh, Tranmere, yeah. he got uh, Barnsley in the quarter final, he got Sheffield United in the semi final, and they got all the way to the final and then. Sadly, lost to Arsenal, who were going for the double. So that that's how hard, that's how hard it can be. But uh, yeah, I mean, each round you get that, you generate that excitement, don't you? Because you you, you can't wait for the draw. I mean, I think we're all getting excited about the Checker Trade Trophy yeah. draw. The other day. That's how starved of success we are. <laughs> that we're actually tuning in to watch the Checker Trade Trophy draw. But look, that, that that's a bit of a joke. We all know that um, Newcastle. On the checker trade, I don't think we'll be having an open top bus parade. We might, I don't know the way we're going, but uh, but yeah, uh, FA Cup, I would love to see it honestly. I would love to see it. I, I don't think the, the, the younger generations have, have actually had a decent cup run. I mean, I remember going to the Wembley in the late 90s um, for, the, for the finals, and then in 2000 against Chelsea when there was about 30,000 Geordies invaded in London. Trafalgar Square, all that, jumping around in the fountains and all that sort of stuff. That, that's what you're a football fan for, but yeah. you know, we've been deprived of that by the, the, the owner we've got because the manager doesn't want to take any risks in the cup. The players aren't even getting a bonus in the cup, or they weren't getting a bonus in the last few years. I mean, I know that he, he offered that silly one, didn't he, when yeah. he said you win a million and they got Chelsea in the next round, and that was that. But yeah. they, they're not. Traditional to Ashley, the players haven't been getting a bonus in the FA Cup. So I think this year, Blackburn at home, the way, just the way, mentally the way we're all set up, you've got Adam Armstrong that's going to win in the last minute, and yeah, that, that's the way yeah. Newcastle set up at the minute. And uh, But if they can get through, as you say, it'd be great just to get into the next round and then see where they go. But I'd like to see a few points on the board before then. In terms of the Czech Trade Trophy, I was going to mention it there, then you touched on it. The, it's, it's something we haven't really spoken about in too much detail because of you know, the takeover and you can't have the game the next day, so on and so forth. But I mean, how big an opportunity is that for Newcastle's youngsters to play Sunderland's first team? I mean, do you think Newcastle will take plenty of fans? How, how many fans do you expect to be in the stadium you like? It's going to be a big experience for those young lads, isn't it? I don't know. How many fans will go? I think. Everyone probably says they will, but like realistically, I think last year I think they had about I'm sure it was about between 500 and 800 fans for the Premier League International mm -hmm. Cup when Newcastle won on penalties. That was a great night. That I mean, the young players enjoyed it and the fans enjoyed it. Um, it was short lived because the next day some of the players that uh, were involved got called yeah. up to St James Park to say you've got no future at the club. But um, this year, I mean. I don't know. I'd like to think. I'd like to think there'd be a couple of thousand Newcastle fans mm -hmm. make the trip over. Maybe more. It depends on how how things are going. But it's a real opportunity to to uh, have a, a memorable night. I mean, Newcastle have got nothing to lose no. in that, and they've got everything to gain because if they get beaten, then they've lost to the first team, Sunderland. Um, if they win, they're beaten with their kids basically. So it's. Newcastle can bring a couple of senior players in, of course, in this competition. So they haven't really done that so far. But I, th I think they can put up a strong team without dipping into the seniors, to be fair. But I, for me, it, I would be hoping that 
couple of the fringe players that need minutes in the legs, just get them involved because they, they might need that little bit of experience. You'd love to think if Florian Lejeune hasn't had the games he needs yeah. over Christmas that you could just throw him in there and just organise the back four. I think that'd be a great, uh, great little touch. It's, it's interesting because the Czech trade, I think Port Vale played Stoke in the last round and obviously those two teams haven't played for a long time. Port Vale, third, um, fourth division, League Two. Stoke's kids are obviously probably not strong as Newcastle's kids, but they would have fallen ill, didn't they? I think, Port Vale. And uh, Stoke took a full compliment. Yeah. There was a lot of trouble actually at that game. I don't think there's be... 4,000 stories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but you can see there that a motivated League Two team against the kids is going to be tough for Newcastle's under 20s, but I've not seen them, Lee's seen them play. And, um, I've not seen them play too much. Good players. And they're better than they were. They're better than they've been for for a few years. Ben Dawson's doing a cracking job. So you never know. I, I would think that Sunderland will make a lot of changes. I think they've they've changed things a lot around a lot for their checker trade games. They've, they've they, it wouldn't be their first choice team. Obviously, they're, they're limited <coughs> to how many changes they can make by the, the rules of the competition. Um, and it'll be like I think in some ways it's like the least important. But, but sort of most fun derby for a while in terms of for Newcastle fans because you know nobody's going to take it seriously if they lose are they but if they win I think they've got the bragging rights over Sunderland Sunderland will be kind of worried about this one but if they beat Newcastle in this round Sunderland will probably go and they're, they're favourites for the competition so they'll probably go and win it I would think Sunderland I wouldn't thought they'd be too far away from from winning that competition because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of teams in there that have probably got the strength and depth that they've got Southampton won it, Pardew won it, didn't he, when they were in their third division. So, you know, it's a, it's a, good, it's a good game. I think the problem is for, for Newcastle with the cup competitions, obviously checker trade's not, not, not a problem, but the problem for Newcastle with the cup competitions, and the FA Cup in particular, is that what has happened before, going back to that question before, what's happened before is that they've had to make changes because, you know, they haven't got the, the resources because you've got a very, very busy Christmas period coming up. I'm sure they'll pick up a few injuries, suspensions, knocks. We're already seeing that. Shelby's a doubt, Fernandez a doubt. Um, and if they go through Christmas and they have a few injuries, that is the first game, isn't it, of January? And then you start to think, can we afford to, to play the first team? Can we afford to play Rondon? Because if he gets injured, then what, what happens? They haven't really got a lot else. So that team against Blackburn will, will see changes. And Blackburn are not... Mugs, are they? They're doing all right in the championship. So I think that's that's the worry, isn't it? And a lot of teams, mid-ranking teams in the Premier League, come unstuck in that third round because they, they make changes largely because the Christmas period's cr like crackers in terms of how many games you've got to play. Same in the championship, but those teams seem to, I don't know, they seem to play up a little bit for that. So it's going to be difficult in the FA Cup. And, and you'd hope that if, if Rafford got four players that I think he wants in um, early in the window or he was going to get them, then he would play a full team. I think if it was up to Rafa, he'd play the full team. But two years ago, when he was in the championship, Mike Ashley turned up at Birmingham, basically having warned the board, look, don't play the first team because if they get injured, you know, it's going to threaten our promotion, which is key for the, for the finances of this football club. And it was basically like that message got back to Rafa through various people and stuff. So... You know, and to be honest, actually probably had a point in some ways, but with everything that had gone on before, it just it just was the wrong message and stuff. So I think if there's a takeover, then we all look forward to the FA Cup. If not, I think we all kind of know that that's going to be a really difficult game. 
And just keeping going back to the 23s just for a minute there, Lee, obviously you were there on Monday night when they played Norwich. It was Florian Lejeune's big comeback. I mean, it's remarkable that he's, he's managed to come back in such a quick time, such a serious knee injury. Uh, played 45 minutes, how did he get on? Yeah, he done really well. And, you know, I think that, that was always the plan for him just to play a half a game just to, to get him back into it. But he, to be fair, I think he could have he could have probably cruised through the 90 minutes. He looked really fit. Uh, which he's been working very hard behind the scenes and it's just great to see him back in a couple of like really good moments where he just took full control of the defence and you know he's great at carrying the ball out as well and he's a proper footballer in that sense and I just think Newcastle missed him and it'd be great to, to see him back in where he goes in because there's so much choice for centre-backs um, who gets dropped, who loses a place we don't know about Fernandez's injury at the minute if that's a bad one, at least you've got Lejeune to, to come back in because they're similar type of players. But now it's just good to see him, good to see him back. Um, you know, a couple of other points from the night. I mean, Sorensen, for all people saying get him in the first team, he didn't play well on this one. There's been a couple of games, even in this run of goals, where he hasn't, he hasn't been in good form. Actually, it sounds a bit crazy that for a man who's got 18 goals, but. Some games it's just not not turned up, so that's why Newcastle are erring on the side of caution um, with Sorensen. Um, so we'll wait and see. I mean, Sean Longstaff had another decent game. Um, his little brother Matty Longstaff also doing very well at the minute. Uh, Callum Watts took the captain's armband and you know put in a really good performance. They've still got Nathan Harker, the goalkeeper, doing very well at the minute. They've got some good options in reserves, so. We'll have to see. I think some of them will probably get a chance in that FA Cup game against Blackburn. I've no doubt about it. I'm like to see Longstaff playing in that game. Oh, well, yeah. he, he, he probably nailed on. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think they're going to let him go out in January. Much to his disappointment because he wants to play. But he is that close to playing first team now. Uh, and I think in the second half of the year, if he does stay, you'll, you'll see him coming on in games. Last 10 minutes, last 15 minutes. Build up between Rafa really likes him. Um, that's why they gave him the contract. So for him, it's it's frustrating that he's not playing. He would have been playing every week if he'd gone to Portsmouth. Um, it's a disappointing for him, but I think he's got a good future at the club. And it's just kind of patience is a virtue thing for him at the moment. In terms of Longstaff, you know, he's, he signed that new contract. He said there, Rafa really rates him. But at what point does he does he actually throw him into a Premier League game? Because he's been on the bench a few times. Mm-hmm. The one game he has played this season has not been Forest. I thought he was actually really good in that game. Yeah. He's always performed in the 23s, he's done well out on loan. At what point do we say, come on, now's the time to give him this, this chance? Because he can't prove he's good enough until he's given that opportunity, can he? Yeah, well, you're right what you're saying about the Forest game because the result overshadowed a good performance that he had. Uh, the headlines all went the result and get knocked out by a championship team. Had they squeezed through on penalties, would have all been talking probably about Sean Longstaff's performance that night. Um, when when does he throw him in? I think he's very he's very close now. I think had new say the Wolves game had Newcastle been two 0 up in that game, I think you'd have probably seen him out for the last ten minutes uh, get a Premier League debut because of the circumstances and the red card and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it just wasn't possible to get him on then. Um, but he's been he's been really close in in some games. He's been on the bench now in the last three. Uh, same with Everton as well. He he, he could have. You know, came on at some point that it was really tight towards the end of that game and had they thrown it away because of a change in system that, that would have been a, 
absolute nightmare. We're really, that point is now looking quite important, isn't it? So I think it'll be really soon that he gets a chance, but uh, he'll drop me gradually, as I say. He'll come on for 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, and just you know build that experience up. And just finally, you mentioned Kellen Watts. You, you did a piece, so you know, him talking about how how happy he was to play yeah. alongside Florian Lejeune, and he's a defender that's been in England youth setup. And on Sunday, I think a lot of fans' frustrations when Rafa stuck with the three at the back, but he moved yet in the field. Yeah, I mean, we're not saying Kellen Watts is ready to step up to a, a Premier League game or what have you, but could it have harmed him having him on the bench on on, on Sunday? Paul Dunham wasn't particularly fit because it didn't have a proper centre half option, did they? Yeah, I mean. Still very raw, um, as well as he's done, and the fact he's been in the England youth and all that. Still, still young. Uh, again, I think he probably needs the second half of the season with the under twenty threes. I mean, that was the first time he'd been handed the captain's armband. Um, he's actually originally a midfielder who's dropped into defence, so he can do both roles. So, it would be uh, nice to think he could have a player like that on the bench at the moment, but just on the basis that Rafa also has this thing about senior players, this is their time to keep them happy. That, I mean, that's why Longstaff's had to wait so long, because Diame and Key have been getting their game ahead at the minute, and they're obviously the senior players. So he knows how to keep the balance in the dressing room right, and he probably knows that you know, you're not going to upset certain players by dropping them for no reason. But by the same token, Lascelles and Shelby have both had to fight for the place mm -hmm. in recent times, and... You know, when Rafa feels someone's ready, you bring them in. But Watts has trained with the first team, so he is definitely an option going forward. And um, going back to Sunday's game, one man you know that people were talking about, he wasn't in the squad on Sunday after playing well against against Everton was Jacob Murphy. But in terms of his future, because he's barely featured this season, you know he did well in, in, in that game, but we haven't seen much of him. You know, Newcastle paid a lot of money to sign him. Um, could you? Know, could he move out on loan in January potentially because he, you know he, he's still a young player, but he's not getting the game time that he needs to possibly develop. I, I'd be surprised in some ways if he yeah. did because, you know, if you loan him out for the second half of the season, then someone like Atsu or, or Richie gets injured. Suddenly you you're short-handed. They are looking at bringing in another winger, um, so it's it's another challenge for him. But it, it's a bit mysterious really how he went from having a decent game at Everton, setting the goal up, to not even being involved at all at, at the weekend. I mean, I'm sure we'll get more from, mm. from Rafa in the press conference on Friday. But, yeah, I, I couldn't see that happen just because... He, look at Isaac Hayden, you know, he wanted to go in the summer, Rafa wouldn't let him go because he knew that if, if he goes out the door, someone else gets injured, they're suddenly they're, they're short-handed. So I don't think it would be a wise move you mentioned there Newcastle looking for wingers. You did a story daily. Um, Ritsu Duan, the Japanese winger. There's been numerous links over the last couple of weeks with wingers. In terms of Newcastle winger search, I mean, how's that looking at the minute? Well, that he's one of the players that they've got on the shortlist. Manchester City also interested as well. But realistically, this will be between the player's agent and, and Newcastle now. Newcastle will have to sell him that opportunity that you are going to get regular game time here. He could turn around and say, well, Jacob Murphy's not, you know, but I, I think Newcastle would be a good good club for, for him uh, to come in, in January. Um, you go to Manchester City, you've got more chance of being loaned out pretty much straight away, haven't you? Because they've got, he's not going to play every week for Manchester City as good as he's done. So, 
yeah, he's one of a number of players that we've got on the shortlist, and uh, hopefully uh, they'll they'll strike early in the window. But again, it all because of the uncertainty in the air, all boils down to what's happening with the, uh, the sale of the club. Okay, well, thanks for joining us today, uh, Mark and me. It's been an interesting conversation as always for the of Newcastle United. Hey, let's hope the next one we do is all about the bright future and what happens under a new owner. Indeed. Um, Andrew Musgrove will be back later in the week to record a pre-Huddersfield podcast. Um, but until then, stick with us in Chronicle Live for all the latest build of that Huddersfield game, all the latest in the takeover, and any new uh, transfer link information you receive. Thanks again for joining us. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.